midlife. The Midwest. It's the middle class. The millennials. Baby boomers. West Coast. East Coast. The far right. The far left. What we need is some middle ground. Middle ground. Middle. Middle. Middle ground. Okay, here we are. Welcome, groundlings, groundhogs, whatever you like to call yourselves. I am Chris Otto. And I am Chris Kell, smack dab in the middle of the long, hot summer. We're in the middle of a steamy one here in the Midwest. It is Um, steamy, but we are still... But we're still two guys trying to figure it all out and find some balance. That's what we are. We're even just though a it's, couple even of guys. Yeah, at this, yeah, in fact, we've lowered the bar a little bit. We, we'll, we'll even just say we're two guys looking for some air conditioning, and that's pretty much it. If you get it, <laughs> we'll right. be happy with that. Um, even the old school block of ice that the Three Stooges had to haul up and down the stairs in the 1920s and 30s. I'll settle for one of those. Anything to keep me cool. Nice, Curly. Anything to keep me cool-headed and cool in the body and cool all around. You're talking to two cool guys. Today's guest, uh, the head of digital content, basically running the internet site for the Big Ten Network. So he's all about sports, he's all about the internet, and he's all about digital content and digital media. So good stuff coming out of there, and it's, it's a good way to sort of kick off preseason football, talking Big Ten, talking uh, talking digital stuff. We're having some fun. I know you're having some fun. How's your summer going? You got a lot going on. No, it's guy just got back. As you know, I just got back from uh, a long three and a half hour drop, three and a half day, sorry, three and a half day drive across the fine United States of America. We, uh, my son and I started out in Chicago and we drove uh, to Tucson, Arizona, partially on Route 66, the old Route 66. Oh, you uh, did take 66. Ah, nice. Yeah, most of the way. Um, and then we veered off a little bit. We wanted to go to White Sands National Monument in New Mexico. So that was off the beaten path. But I took him back to school. He's uh, he's back for his second year. He's excited to be a sophomore. But I got to tell you, man, I took a lot of photos of. He, so he was in the dorms last year. This year, his second year, he's off campus in an apartment. And this apartment complex, holy shit! I don't know why we went to school in the Midwest. I really don't know why do people so many people go to school in cold climates because this apartment complex, right in downtown Tucson. Bars, restaurants, everything all around. Cool, you know, every college town's got the same atmosphere. But a pool, and the pool has poolside sushi service. There's a little window there oh in a sushi God. restaurant right next to the pool. So there's a ordering window. You get your sushi poolside. Um, it is. Yeah. It's a resort. I mean, it's you know, free cappuccino machine, popcorn machines, a big fireplace in the. Lo- I mean, it's just. It's a luxury hotel. <laughs> it's a luxury hotel. You're a brave and a good parent, I guess, for letting your son explore that. I uh, I, I can I don't, guarantee I don't you he's having what, a better not, time. <laughs> that's not what I was calling myself. Uh, I know. As I, I know. As I walked around campus and. But, a, uh, but it's a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful school. Beautiful people. Um, and he's gonna have a great year. He had great grades last year. Very proud of him. So we're looking forward to a good year. Good. All right. So uh, what about you? So you mentioned preseason football and your excitement for preseason football, but i got to believe you're in the minority, and most people, and I count myself among most people, are, are excited about the Olympics. Are you not watching the Olympics? Nope. I'm not an Olympic guy, Chris. I just can't wow. do it. I don't. I just don't like it. I don't like the way the games are rigged. I don't like – they're not rigged. I'm being um, overly that, about that, but I, didn't, I don't like the uh, – I don't like the cost overruns. I don't like the fact that this thing costs $14 billion. 
And uh, I saw Malcolm Gladwell did a guest spot on Zakaria last week on CNN, and he had a great idea, and I thought it was brilliant, which is break the Olympics up and have different cities host different events. And I, that's how I would play mm. that. I think that's a brilliant idea. It cuts the cost down. Well, here, here's my, my idea for that is I, I, I agree with you completely. I think the Olympics are way out of hand. Uh, you know, we've all seen the pictures of the the overgrown, abandoned Olympic facilities that have been built in cities in the past right. and are no longer used for anything. Sarajevo, all those sites are bombed out that they built for the Olympics. Million cost right. a million dollars. But here, my idea is the International Olympic Committee should say, okay, we're going to continue to take bids from whoever wants to bid. But here's the new rule: if you're going to bid for the Olympics in your city. You have to make your bid using existing facilities. You may not build anything new. Ready, great, go. Great, great. I'm glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. The reason the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics were so successful, both, uh, you know, whatever, spiritually or monetarily or financially, however you want to measure it, uh, you know, both with records and stuff like that, uh, Peter Peter Uberoth ran them. Um, they did not have to build a thing for those Olympics. Right. You're absolutely 110% right. I think that's a yep. great idea. I'm on board with that all day. I think that's the perfect idea. Absolutely. What what What's going to happen if you do that is there are only going to be a few cities that are really qualified to host which is fine. Right. I think I think you know like the Super yep. Bowl, you find a few cities that are capable of hosting an event of that size, four, five, six cities and you rotate it among them. So maybe it's yep. Moscow, Perfect. you know, London, Tokyo, Los Angeles and Rio or whatever it is. I think Detroit, uh, if you factor in two Big Ten facilities and some other uh, things that they would have to do, I think Detroit <laughs> and the state of Michigan would be a fine host for some summer. Would be a fine host for some summer Olympics. Why are you? Why are you laughing? <laughs> oh man, this. You, thanks for bringing us back to the comedy of middle ground. You're right. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. No, it's okay. Let most, me just throw a couple. U of M. Most just U of M. Stadium not become an Olympic stadium. No. No, that's the huh. most ridiculous okay. thing I've ever Okay, U of M heard. Stadium becomes the Olympic Stadium. No? no. No. It's too Ann Arbor's like what? I don't know, 80 miles from Detroit. Detroit? Yeah. Detroit. Nobody, nobody cares. Left in you, Detroit. Have, you have to go what, what's, what, what, what are saying. people going to do for fun sell. on the weekends? They're going to go to escape from a room with a zombie for fun? What what, what, what I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's plenty giving the given with the possibilities. I think Detroit would make a great Olympic village. That's what I'm saying. I think there's a lot of room down there for some action. Y you are dangerously close to being my dick pick this week. <laughs> okay, fine. I was just throwing it out there. I just running it up the flagpole. See how it would sail. My bad. I, no, I, I thought maybe I, you no, being that's, a I, guy would be able to. Hey, no ideas are terrible. dumb ideas, except. No, that's not true. I'm just not a visionary like that. I'm just not. I sorry. I'm no, but that's why you're on the show that. because not we need someone spot. who's not a visionary. I know. I know. I know. Speaking sorry of someone that. who's not a visionary, scrap that one, guys. Uh, hold on one second. I I feel this coming on. Uh, Louise, you know what time yeah. it is. Here we go. That, ladies and gentlemen, oh, is the new theme song for the Bumble Brief. This is our weekly update at Chris Kelsch's venture into the dating world 
formerly known as the Tinder update, but we've switched gears and we're now on Bumble, where the woman has the power and control just the way Chris likes it. So wait, let's go back you start, a week ago. Before you start, how do you like the theme song? You know what that is. What is that? Is that uh, Isaac Hayes? What, what am I listening no, to? No, it's 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 Flight of the Bumblebee. That the classical. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, nice. see see what we did there. Louise picked but, it. Went back into Louise the did pick it. She's she's, yeah, she's earning her uh, nice. she's earning her three bucks an hour. So okay, when last we were all together, you had uh, you were excited about a date with a Serbian girl from Michigan, and she was going to a Serbian wedding the next day or something. You were excited to hear about that wedding, and then there was a date set up. It's all Serbian all the time. Chris Kalsh, take it away. What's going on? We had a date. She went to the University of Michigan, but University of Michigan Flint campus, so that I didn't count that as uh, as an actual. Ooh. I mean, it's kind of a commuter kind of uni- Michi- University of Michigan person. But she's pretty cool, but there was just not a lot of magic, magic there. I thought she was a really cool person. Yeah. Okay. Then a week ago, Saturday, <laughs> so coming up on a week ago, I get uh, I get a, a Bumble. Uh, you know, I you know, get a match on Bumble, and a woman's uh, on, on on Bumble says, "Hey, what's going on?" And I go, "Hey," and I thought she's really cute. I mean, she's like really super cute, and um, I start uh, you know uh, talking with her on Bumble, but she's yeah. in Wisconsin taking care of her dad. She's not in Chicago, so she's not even in town. Oh, but, uh, but going there, back and right. Right away, the nurturing, the caring, the close relationship with the parents. It's beautiful. I love that. It's beautiful. She's from Wisconsin, so you know, she, you know she's like, you know, good-hearted Wisconsin person. Oh, she's so corn-fed. So she's corn-fed. <laughs> Easy. That can go that can cut both ways, Chris, but so far so good. <laughs> well, um, you got to chew it. You got to chew it well so it doesn't cut both ways, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. But 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 there's a momentum to these things. So we start talking on Saturday, and and we're a couple days into exchanging some nice notes. And I'm like, can we meet when you get back into town next week, uh, which is coming up on this weekend? She gets back into town on Sunday, and yeah. she's like, yeah. And then it just kind of it's like it has that. It's got to have a momentum to it. So it's this whole week long yeah. thing. We haven't. We haven't exchanged messages in a couple days. It's like it, it gets hot. Like it gets hot, and then you have to hit it when it gets hot, and if you don't, it kind of fizzes. So this one kind of fizzed, and we didn't even get a chance to meet yet. Oh, dude, you got to keep it going with that. Like I told you a couple weeks ago, that Q, that Q&A game with the, the couple of words. And what do you – you know, New York or L.A., you know, uh, Fallon or Kimmel, that kind of stuff. Just fun, fun. Keep it fun and light. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. I will do that. I will do that. But here, oh, listen to this. So this other one I got matched with, uh, this is funny, but she hasn't she hasn't said anything to me yet. So I can't do anything until she starts the conversation. But in her right. profile, she goes, you know, I'm not looking to hook up, but I'm not looking to necessarily get married and meet the man of my dreams and live happily ever after everywhere. And her exact words were, can't we find some middle ground in there? <laughs> I can't wait. If she ever if wow. she ever reaches out to me, I will come back with a lot of middle ground stuff and and uh <laughs> But I can't do anything. But I can't do anything because she haven't. She hasn't said anything to me. I'm on the sidelines. What put me in, Coach? I'm ready to go in and talk to this person. You know what you could do, and this is uh, you could take a screenshot of whatever photo she's got on there, 
and then do a reverse photo search on Google and see if you can find out her name and who she is. But you're right. No, I totally agree. There's a way to find people, on, and I've done that before. I, I, I'm yeah. a creeper in that sense. I'm, I will, I'm confessing to our audience and to you that I am an internet creeper, and if I see someone I like uh, on either of those, you know, Tinder or Bumble, I will go. Uh, I will go a looking for them, and I will find out who well, they are. This woman, obviously, you've been very successful at that in the past. I will say this: in talking with her, she works <laughs> hospitality. Get this: this is why it's worth keeping in touch. Very least, she works yeah, hospitality okay. for the Bulls and Blackhawks at the United Center. That's Ooh, her job. So she's probably <laughs> slept with some professional athletes, is what I'm. Yeah, thinking. I'm not going to assume that. Uh, in of course front of our audience, are. but I'm going to privately assume it. <laughs> which means, which means you are going to be compared most likely to some professional athletes. Yep. Are you ready for that? Yes, because I'm funnier than they are. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, yeah, no, yeah, I agree, I agree. Thanks, you are. Chris. You're way funnier than Scottie Pippen ever was. <laughs> <laughs> can use your support right. here. Just okay. a little bit of support so, on your own. I, I, I support you. I support you. <laughs> we got to move on. Let's move on to everybody's favorite weekly feature. No shortage of them. We've been away for a while, Chris and I. Oh, there are Dicks all over the world. But can we just say, can I nominate for the Dick Pick Hall of Fame uh, Donald Trump? Can we just assume that every week Trump is a dick pick? Every week. Every week he does something, and some irate columnist, you know, doesn't matter, Washington Post, uh, New York Times, Chicago Tribune says, this is it. This is the week he crossed the line. This is oh, the yeah. week it came, it came apart. This is the week that it's all over. This is officially the week, and everyone goes, yeah, you're right. This is the week he, he really did it with the Second Amendment thing. And then oh, it's God. like that until exactly one week later when he does something else. So they either... He either crosses different lines or he keeps crossing the same line that they keep moving. I'm going to repeat a prediction I have made on this podcast many, many, many times. And I'm going to say right now, I feel stronger about this today than ever before. He, he's either going to now I'm thinking he's either going to drop out, which a lot of people are sort of speculating about. And I think that would be crazy, clearly unprecedented. But but maybe he, he's just that wacky. But if he doesn't drop out. This is going to be a massive, massive landslide. And everybody's going to say, what the hell happened? How could we have been so wrong? It's because there's a very small demographic that is rabid and crazy vehement about Donald Trump. And that's white, angry males, of which you and I are not included. Uh, but and, it's the, it's and, the, sec yeah, it's the second you, amendmenters also, that he's forget, talking about. And you also said... Earlier, when we started tracking this earlier this year, and you were on this before anyone else was on this, and you had a theory about it, and I'm going to hold you to it because I think it's pretty true, which was the NRA theory, which was the, not yes. only is it white angry males, but these are people yes. that love Second guns. Amendment, guns, that type of and, thing. So I and, think there's a lot and, of truth to both of those statements, too. And I will go on record as saying, if he gets every single angry white male vote in this country, it's not enough to defeat all the other people he's alienated and all the other people that hate him. Yeah. Uh, and 
I think it's going to be a landslide, and everybody's going to look back and go, how could we have been so wrong? It's because all the media companies are giving us the coverage we love to watch, and that's the train wreck that is Donald Trump. But so few of us, relatively few people are going to vote for him. It's that one demographic, and it, it's going to be a huge lesson in the business of media and giving the public what they want, but also... I think it's a big message to Republicans and Democrats that you guys made this mess, and thank God we escaped a Trump presidency. I, I don't want Hillary Clinton to be president. I never did. But under the circumstances, she's probably going to be the next president. And if I'm Paul Ryan, he's got a chance, really, to elevate politics, his own party, his own image, everything, by saying... Hillary, we're going to work with you in every possible way because we have heard the American public is fucking furious. So that's my prediction. Yeah. That's what I think is going to happen. But I agree. It's a it's a good thing to keep track of, and I'm glad you, you mentioned Paul Ryan. And he might be up to the task. You never know. I, it's a good. Uh, I hope so. It's a good point you I brought so. up. I'm glad you mentioned that. Dick picks. So okay, so we've established Trump as just our our weekly our weekly no brainer dick pick. Who's your dick pick for this week though, other than Trump? Uh, but let's just go with the NFL. Uh, and I know we're celebrating the return <laughs> of preseason football. But the the Hall of Fame game. Not that anyone ever watches it, but the Hall of Fame game gets canceled. Because uh, paint does not dry on the field, and it's a safety precaution, which, let's be clear, they did the right thing. Players' safety, first and foremost. Here is a multi-billion dollar monopoly on professional football, but arguably the most popular money-making sport in the nation. And they, they, this is the first preseason football game of the year. They had eight months to get ready for this football game. And the reason they officially canceled it, the official reason given was because of congealed paint. Isn't that what it was? The paint congealed or something. I, it's so ridiculous. Pete Rosell must be flipping over in his grave, the former esteemed they literally, of the NFL. Unless I'm mistaken, I think we can go – yeah, unless I'm mistaken, I think we can both go on record as saying they got caught watching the paint dry. Or not dry. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. All right, the NFL. <laughs> what a dick. Uh, mine, real quickly, and I, I don't, I'm not even going to talk about him that much, but I got to give my dick pick this week to Rudy Giuliani. Huge fan of this guy back in 2001. United the country, the mayor of New York City after a 9-11, and he just was the man. And he looked like the leadership yeah. and the strength and the conviction that he showed in uniting New York City and taking – the, the, the circumstances and grabbing hold of it and moving that city forward and 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 putting the country on his shoulders and, and making us all cheer for New York. And he going into the election after that, uh, it looked like he couldn't lose. He ran a lousy campaign. He dropped. It's horrible. Didn't end up, you know, fizzled yeah. out. And now he's kind of irrelevant. But now he's he's making the media rounds defending Hall of Fame dick picker Donald Trump and this whole, you know, threatening or suggesting that the Second Amendment people can do something about Hillary Clinton, which, of course, incited violence right. and perhaps indicated that they might assassinate her. Let's just come out and say it. And he's defending Trump right. at media stop after media stop. I have lost all respect for Rudolph Giuliani. I wish he'd go away. You blew your chance. Your window is closed. You're done. Goodbye. It's like Eminem said to Moby, it's over. Rudy Giuliani. What a dick. Dick picks. 
let's talk about this week's guest, good friend of yours. Uh, you want to take it away? Talk about him. What, what's his deal? Oh, uh, this is really, uh, we're lucky to have him. Really sharp guy, really funny guy. Runs the digital side for Big Ten Network. And uh, one of the, uh, I would call him the consummate early adapters. One of the first guys in on the wild, wild west days of digital media. It was one of the first guys to work on uh, tr the Tribune Media's digital content. Um, and really one of the first guys to work on websites and trying to figure out how to monetize websites and all that. Uh, and he's been here, been around the block. He's worked for Fox Sports, BTN, Chicago Tribune, newspapers uh, in uh, California, Chicago, Carolina. So knows a little, knows a thing or two. This guy's seen it all. He's seen him come and go. So we're lucky to have him. Uh, Chris Malcolm from the Big Ten Network. Chris Malcolm. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to Middle Ground, man. Nice to have you here. Thank you very much. I, I, I have to, uh, I have full disclosure here. I thought this was Middle Earth, so I'm going to have to scratch all my notes. I had a whole bunch of <laughs> Hobbit jokes ready to go. Wow, that's that's a. I was going to say it's an '80s reference, but I guess not with the movie. So, no, it's yeah. back. It's, yeah. it's retro. It's back. It's fresh. Nice, a Tolkien reference. Uh, right soon it'll be spring in the Shire, and the strawberries will be blooming. <laughs> That's that's my only reference from that movie, and it's a terrible one. I'm sorry. Um, all right, uh, Chris Malcolm. Uh, actually, you know, I'll just I'll just go right into it. You know, you've done so many so many cool things. Um, you came up the journalism side, but then like you were one of the first guys to kind of migrate over from the print side to the digital side. And when you first did this, like you'd tell me about it. We lived together in Chicago, Lincoln Park, having a fun time. And you'd tell me about all the stuff that, that was happening. And it, full disclosure for me, I didn't understand any of it. Like you'd be like, well, I'm working on this, the internet now, and I'm, we got email and the Tribune uh, owns part of AOL and this and that. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'd go back to watching TV. So I didn't know what any of it meant back then. I use such small words at the time. I don't understand. <laughs> so what year was this? So what, what year, Chris, did you actually, well, what year did you first go on the internet? And then what year did you first have email? I think it was 97 or 98. And uh, to, to be quite honest, working at the Tribune, and I think this was the case at a lot of newspapers at the time, um, you know, the internet was kind of this like weird thing. And the people working on the internet side, at least at the Tribune, but again, I think a lot of newspapers were the same, were kind of like people who, who were maybe a little bit stuck in the newspaper world, uh, weren't going to advance in the in the print side. And then there were a lot, a lot of young people, too, who, who maybe were just a little more willing to try new things. And so at the Tribune, I left the sports section where I was really just kind of a... Uh, kind of almost like uh, I wasn't even I wasn't even at the level of a copy editor, and I went off to to help uh, the then internet sports editor. He had a regal title, but he had a staff of two. Um, <laughs> help bring bring the newspaper content on onto the internet, and and it sounded um, new and 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 different and exciting to me. Um, I've always kind of been um, I, I I've always gotten a little itchy. I've always had an eye towards the the unknown. And so I went and signed up and joined, and and it was really interesting. And I, and what was great about being on the internet, uh, on an internet publication like that, at, at a big time newspaper like the Chicago Tribune was, you had a little uh, you had a little heft, 
and and you could you could uh, you could um, explore and experiment and test things out. And we were doing a bunch of stuff on high school sports that was kind of interesting, and we're trying to get some traction on that. But you know, at the time, and I and I might even say even today, nobody knew what the hell they were doing. You know, we were just kind of like throwing stuff at the wall to to see what would stick. And and I did that for several years. I, I eventually became uh, the internet sports editor there, and then we launched a website, a short-lived website, I'll say, called ChicagoSports.com that had a long, kind of had a, a, a lot of ambitions. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. So why, why did they do that? Why, was, why wasn't it just like the sports section of the Chicago Tribune? Why did they create a, a set standalone separate website? That's a great question, and I, I ask it even to this day when I wake up in the morning, sweating <laughs> at 2 in the morning. Um, ChicagoSports.com, uh, again, you, again, all of these things have to be kind of cast in the light of the time. Yeah. So ChicagoSports.com was kind of thought up, dreamt up, uh, the fall, the late fall of, of, I believe, 1999. And the idea was to create a kind of a, a kind of a, a Chicago sports portal. We spent a considerable amount of time trying to sign up uh, the professional sports teams in town. Because remember, in 1999, there was no MLB.com. Uh, there was no NFL.com network. There certainly was no NHL.com kind of a network. And we thought we could kind of we could take all, all these school or uh, professional team websites and get them under one umbrella and then have another part of that umbrella be kind of a news channel uh, that we might have something. Uh, for about five weeks, it was a fantastic idea. Uh, but then sports <laughs> leagues very quickly, very quickly came around and understood the, the, the potential power of it. And when they scooped back the, the, the baseball team's rights, and eventually other leagues did the same. Um, you know, that kind of left us high and dry and right back at kind of an, a solely an editorial product. Yeah, that was a crazy time, late 90s. I got my first job. I was a freelance writer, and people just had no idea what to do with the web, but everybody knew they had to have a website. They had to put whatever they could find on it. And companies, you know, mm -hmm. just creating websites all over the place and putting, you know, their brochure up or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever content they had. And it, it took mm -hmm. years for people to figure out how to make money. And, you know, it, it was it, a lot of people like my son is almost 20 years old. He has no clue that there was once a world without an Internet or an inter <laughs> or an Internet that was, you know, woefully ineffective at anything, really. Right. I can remember like like getting. Like, e like videos emailed to me and you had to like wait minutes, right, to get the email to download or you went to a website and you had to like open up real player. I mean, it was it was a, it was at the time, even at the time, I think it was an interesting kind of a fascinating time because everyone knew it would grow into something. Now, no one, I don't think I think few people knew what it would grow into, um, but everyone was kind of, you know, trying new things. And the content and I, I hate to use that word, but the content has to fit the platform. Yeah. And we would, we would, I would get, you know, I, I, I won't use them by name, but I would get a, a, a very senior Tribune writer emailing me all the time, asking me why his stories, you know, weren't getting more play on the Chicago sports website. And it was hard for me to, to say it nicely after a few times, but I said, because it's about international speed skating. Now, Bill now it's, it's Bill Hurst, it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. It's a, he, he he is a magnificent he is a magnificent journalist, and he is a, he's a very talented writer, and um, an accomplished, uh, and has covered many many things, and could tell stories until the end of time about all the things that he's done. But 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 frankly, 
the platform that we had, you know, and his speed skating stories and his figure skating stories would get wonderful play in the Chicago Tribune sports section because they had wonderful art and, and they were good reads. And if you open up the sports section on a Wednesday and you got this great feature story on this ice skater, it probably fit. It might fit, but that's up to that sports editor to determine. I could tell you because of the metrics that for us it didn't fit. And so it was a real early education in terms of understanding that just because I think something's good doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be consumed. Well, that, that leads me to the next thing because both of you guys have this in common. You've done some time in the wonderful entertainment capital of Los Angeles. So as much as you were an early adapter with ChicagoSports.com, that did lead you right into your next gig, which was the memorable stint with uh, FoxSports.com in Santa Monica, which was, was that night and day from the Tribune in terms of attitudes and willing to try things i'm just thinking is the west coast a little bit more are they more risk takers or what was that what was that environment like yeah that's a great that's a great question it was less about west coast and middle uh middle uh well i almost said middle earth again midwest but uh it, it was it was more about it was more about kind of a, a tribune a tribune company approach when I, when I resigned there to take this job at FoxSports.com, I had a very good friend of mine tell me, you know, the people who are going to win on the Internet are the guys with the biggest balls. And I, the people at the Tribune never felt like they, they had to have big balls because they were still a newspaper company. And if, if you look back at 99, 2000, 2001, newspapers were still doing pretty good. Oh, yeah. So when I went to FoxSports.com, it was kind of a it – was, it was, first of all, it was, it was very alluring – um, not just because it was in Los Angeles, but because the guy running it at the time was a, guy, a man named Rick Jaffe, who was a legendary sports editor. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of Rupert Murdoch money, frankly. And he hired a bunch of writers, very veteran writers from newspapers, who were all looking for that kind of that big Internet score. And so he had a huge, big writer for baseball, big writer for football, a whole cast of guys, and an amazing production department. And I landed there with kind of this idea, this dream job of being senior producer. And all Rick Jaffe wanted me to do was come up with crazy, crazy, awesome web content ideas. That was it. I mean, it was like, hello, Santa Monica. I'm just engaged. You know, great paycheck. You're, you know, you're, I can bike to work. I live on the beach. It was nuts. Uh, it took about uh, 14 hours into my drive out there. Uh, and again, this was January 2nd when Rick Jaffe calls me and says, well, there's been kind of a change. We're scaling things back. Uh, you, for you, you should know that you should, you're probably safe. So, okay. That's good because I just put down $3,000 in apartment rental, but, uh, we got there and it was imploding. And this was a time when, when Fox decided it was just too costly. They weren't getting a return. So I was there for about two years. I came back to Chicago with my then wife, um, still my wife, I should say, uh, and uh, to take a job at a newspaper. And that newspaper's name was, was Red Eye. So who, who in their right mind, as I like to tell people, leaves the Internet at Fox in Los Angeles to return to the Midwest to work on a yet-to-be-launched print product? Well, that's me. That's what I did. So I worked. We launched Red Eye, and that was a fun. That was a fun thing. I was I was part of the staff there, and there were a couple of very good sharp editors and good friends of mine who kind of led the whole initiative. Um, but it was very small staff, and that was a lot of fun. It kind of brought me back to college a little bit. Um, it had the essence of of the web, where you can kind of you know test a lot of things, do a lot of silly things, see what works. For those who don't know and aren't in Chicago, can you explain what Red Eye is a little bit? Because it is a, a kind of a unique publication. Yeah, well, at the time, yeah, exactly. It's at the time, and it's still around uh, in a very uh, much lesser form, I believe. 
at the time, it was kind of uh, – newspapers were still fairly healthy. Uh, I think they were starting to feel a little bit of the, the turn in the industry. And what uh, the Tribune had done was they put my friend Joe and Jane Hurt and a number of other – a few other people on a kind of a secret mission to create a product, a print product, that would um, – and again, this sounds fairly quaint looking back that – would, that would hook young people on, into reading newspapers. Because a lot of people they, from the research that was the Tribune had done, they were saying that you know the Tribune isn't really for me. I'll read it when I get older. But they wanted to attra- they wanted to attract young people, and I'd like to say, well, it might not be around when you're older. Yeah. <clears throat> they wanted to attract young readers, and so they created this tabloid. And uh, this was actually a very exciting time. They created it. They, they they ramped up. They hired. It was all very secret. The Sun Times got wind of it and immediately started to launch another competing newspaper called the Red Streak which led to many, many toilet jokes in our newsroom. Uh, and, and, and we kind of went to war. We went to war. It was like Red Eye versus Red Streak, and it was this tabloid. And we had amazing distribution, uh, a very iconic now kind of – it's been around for a while – but a very iconic news box with the big red ball on top. Yep. Amazing, amazing promotion from the Tribune. Uh, look, the, 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 the managing editor, uh, I believe, and the executive editor of the Tribune were out on the street one day handing out the paper – telling people all about it. And the idea was, again, to, to get people hooked on reading a print paper. And for a number of years, uh, I would say most of the years that I was there, um, you know, you get on an L train or you get on a bus, a lot of people were reading it. Yes, now, this, I, is pre, this is pre-smartphone. This is pre, pre-everything. I loved Red Eye. I, there was a, uh, a newspaper box right by the Armitage station there that I took to work every day. It was free. Mm-hmm. Red Eye was free. Mm-hmm. That was the best part about it. And the, it was a commute read. You'd pick it up on the L thumb through it and by the time your commute was done you were done with the paper so whoever designed it and the timing of it to read it that was the perfect commute paper it was unbelievable those were all of the goals and we were what was great was we were all very focused you know newspapers newspapers i think now but certainly then had a very hard time changing it's like turning a big ocean liner around and the red eye was more like a speedboat and we could see what we thought worked and turn immediately to a pivot to try something else and then we were very focused on the mission and we would spend uh, not we i would say the editors who were in charge of that front page they would spend a good amount of time every night to make sure that the page popped that when you saw it in a news box that would say something you'd have to have that you know a dynamic headline an amazing photo um and i i think it really did connect but i think i think in the end you know once the iphone came around uh, you know who 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 needs it yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was a lot of celebrity stuff. It was a lot of uh, sort of dating stuff, young single stuff, um, and and sports. Sudoku and then and, or whatever that thing was su- called. Yeah. People were crazy. Sudoku but. crossword. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a cool little little uh, product on the way to work. I loved it. And after a few years there, I became the sports editor, and my then boss Joe Knowles, who was one of the founding editors, uh, walked by my desk one day. Had come back from vacation, and he's. Uh, he's an uh, he's an amazing thinker. Joe's an amazing thinker and a, and a great, really one of the great editors I've ever I've ever met. And said, you know, I had a thought on my way back from from uh, from vacation. Long car rides tend to kind of unwind the mind a little bit. So we need a we need to have a column with a with a Chicago sports fan who believes nothing ever goes right, never goes right. It's always bad. Every bad news anything good could happen and he'll find kind of the dark side to it and i think it's a guy with a bag on his head and i said <laughs> and a bears jersey he's got to have a bears jersey and he goes yep bears jersey and we'll call him you know we'll call him bag boy and joe looks at me and he says you know you should think about 
who could do Bag Boy? And I said, I don't have to think about it. I live with him for seven years. I could call him right now. <laughs> and that, I, I swear to God, that next week, the first Bag Boy column ran. So and a lot of I think we, awesome. we've never talked about this. So yeah, Chris Kelsch was bag boy for how long did you do that for, Chris? Uh, Eleven years. It had a wow. Seinfeldian run. Eleven wow. years. I did August not... of two thousand four. It debuted, and then it wrapped up in uh, twenty uh, November of last year, November of twenty fifteen. So oh four to fifteen. Were you were you always the only bag boy, or was anybody else? Uh, I would take a vacation every now and again, and someone would step in. I don't want to name his name, but he was, uh, <laughs> you know, who I'm talking about, Chris. He couldn't do it. <laughs> no, uh, he, he needed a, guys. Yeah, it needed a lot of punching up. It needed a lot of punching up. How do you go from a great job at Red Eye in back into the internet world in such a great position with the Big Ten Network? That was that's incredible. On the face of it, who are you, um, it, who are it you banging? Is what I really want to know. <laughs> uh, just my drums all day. Well, you know, I, I it's it's not as as out there as it may seem. Um, I got a little tired of Red Eye. Um, I got a little tired of the celebrity stuff. And frankly, this was this was right before Zell took over. Although I I wasn't there when he did take over. Sam Zell, who took over the Tribune company and ran it into the ground. Yeah, the Grave Dancer. Yep. Um, I had read a news release that the Big Ten Network was launching. And at the time, it was very kind of a very weird, strange idea. And I, I, I got an interview. You know, the, the guy who, who is still my boss to this day, we talked over what the idea for the network was. I think they had like four employees at the time. You know, he hired me shortly thereafter. I think it was, I was employee 26 or 27 wow. at the Big Ten Network that summer. It was I was hired in... Uh, July and uh, the network launched uh, on television uh, in late August, and as well as the, as well as the website. So, it really has been fascinating for someone like me who who who, who loves media and who, if I wasn't, you know, uh, in the industry, I would probably be an academic studying it in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it, it's put me at really at the epicenter of of an industry that, um, just like newspapers were in the, in the late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, a TV cable industry that is going through you know momentous change and is about to probably see even more momentous change but I'm on the digital end of things and it's been a it's been an amazing ride so I assume you're a big sports fan as well yeah I, I am a big sports fan I you know I grew up an amazing sports fan a, a hungry sports fan a passion sports fan I've had my heart broken just like any other sports fan and I took it probably as hard as anyone has ever taken it but over the years I think working in sports uh, it's not that I have become immune to it you know I, I like to tell people you know if you like chocolate you like chocolate if you worked in a chocolate factory you'd still like chocolate you might not like chocolate as much as you like chocolate and so I've tried to find some balance some balance in my life but you, you have to be you have to be a follower of the sports um, yeah. in the Big Ten to, to do the gig and and yeah I love it and at certain times you realize you know I could be selling insurance someplace, and so this is a lot better than that. So, you know, you mentioned something earlier. I want to get into this a little deeper because Chris and I went to Michigan State, and I, I actually, you went to Illinois. So I'm wondering, what is it like to go to a school who sucks at sports? <laughs> <laughs> you can't ask it like that, Chris. Like, no, cut that out. I, I'm so glad you're not recording this. Um <laughs> It's uh, it's difficult, but I, I will tell you that um, you know I could go through the litany of the failures that, that Illinois sports have gone through. Although when I was there, you know we went to a Final Four and we're on the cusp 
of a championship, and that was very exciting. But I can tell you this kind of this rebirth of Illinois athletics, and it's it's a slow one, and I think it's it's fueled by a lot of hope. But having an, a new athletic director and a new football coach and a, a basketball coach who, who has some enthusiasm, even those little sparks get me fired up in a way that reminds me of how much I enjoyed it when I, when I was younger. Um, so, you know, I guess that's the long answer. The short answer is it's very, very hard. It's very hard. <laughs> very hard. You know, I always think of you as this great Chicago guy, really funny, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes I forget that you have a lot of Canadian in you and you have a real love for hockey and you lived in Toronto and you loved Wayne Gretzky. Is that where that comes from? Or can you talk a little bit about where that? Well, I think so. Yeah. I, I, my family moved to Toronto from Tokyo. And so I was kind of removed from the American scene for a number of years as a child landed in, in Toronto in kind of those formative years, the kind of like fourth through eighth grade years as, as, an American who, I mean, it wasn't like I got beat up in alleys or anything because Canadians don't really beat people up. They're just too nice. But, you know, you land in this in this community of kids, and it wasn't about the NFL. It wasn't about baseball. It was about hockey. And so I had a very quick education in what was important, the Canadians, the Maple Leafs, at the time the Quebec Nordiques. This was right around the U.S. Olympic win in 1980. And so I kind of chose a team, and the team I chose was Chicago because it was one of the last cities, American cities I had lived in as a child, even though I've never been to a Blackhawks game. And I just kind of stuck. This is my team. And it, it, as luck would have it, after eighth grade, my family moved to Chicago. And I moved away as an adult, uh, a series of jobs away from Chicago, but I always followed them. And then when I moved back, of course, they were just at the beginning of the, maybe the darkest period in, in franchise history with some just god-awful teams, god-awful front offices. The ownership was horrible, and they had this magnificent arena uh, that they they just could not fill. Well, that was uh, those are the days of uh, uh, Bill Wirtz, maybe the worst owner in the history of all major sports, and uh, and and probably a legacy Hall of Famer uh, dick pick. We probably should think about <laughs> we should think about that, Chris. You look around professional sports, and you look at at all the owners, and is there really like are there that many owners where you kind of go, oh yeah, he's doing it right? Like it's there's yeah. it's, it's tough. It's a tough, uh, tough thing, and, and you're vested. But I'd rather have an owner who was kind of fully involved and maybe kind of blowing it a little bit than one who was just, like, remotely, you know, phones right. it in, checks in. Uh, that's tough. It's a tough It's a tough racket. It is a tough racket, I think. You did come up in, in journalism. You have a very, very strong and a very, uh, um, very potent creative side and artistic side. You're very, very funny. And you created a Twitter page. You kind of combined all your passions, your passion for sports, for the Blackhawks, um, and for comedy. And you created an amazing Twitter page that now has over 38,000 followers. It's called Coach Q's Mustache. And you tweet as uh, the, the coach of the Blackhawks has this wonderful old bushy mustache. And you tweet as that coach's mustache like a lot of things i think uh it was a bit of an accident um uh, when i joined twitter in i believe it was 2010 it was kind of like the the dawning of like the parody account right like like a snake would get out of a zoo in new york city and someone would instantly start you know new york snake on the loose and would tweet as the snake until they caught it and the twitter account would die so i was trying to think of something that i could do like that really kind of short term my first instinct was i'll be the dog that was there when tiger woods got beat up by his wife because Tiger Woods at the time had a border collie. I thought that wouldn't that be hilarious to show the little insights from Tiger Woods's dog. That would be so funny. 
would probably last about 10 minutes. So I thought, well, let's do the mustache. Um, logical second choice. Um, let's go with it. I, I always liked writing as inanimate characters at Red Eye. Um, I'd done some of it before. Um, and it was just kind of a fun escape. Uh, really, I also kind of justified it as my way of learning more about Twitter and what works on Twitter in a kind of a live sports environment, partly for work, to be quite honest with you. Um, the rhythms of a game, uh, what people, fans were looking for, what, what but didn't work. And so I started tweeting right before they won their first cup. It was slow going. I had some very supportive friends who, who helped me move it along. And I, I used it as a tool, a kind of an escape. And I found myself very quickly, by pretty much by the next year, 2011, almost relying on it as my way of following the game. I found it calming to be able to take myself out of the frantic mindset of a Blackhawks fan gone mad and put it into the confident, sassy attitude of an inanimate mustache on the lip of the strongest character on the team. <laughs> and and so I, I I ran with it. And at 2011, you know, they didn't make the playoffs, but it grew a little bit. Uh, 2012 uh, didn't make the playoffs. It had grown a little bit more. I don't remember what it had reached by that point. 2013, it really started to get legs. I found a voice. Um, I, I didn't just rely on mustache jokes. I relied on being the mustache, which is a subtle difference, but uh, certainly a distinct one, and had fun with it. And I believe that was the year, 2013, when the Tribune started running it on a daily basis during the playoffs. Uh, that helped a little bit. I had a few articles written about it. I made some lists. You know, some intern at SportsIllustrated.com or SI.com is putting together, you know, ten the 10 funniest parody accounts, and it gets on there. So that brings some followership. But I really started to become part of a Hawks community in my own little way, and certainly in a way that I never would have done as C. Malcolm. And it's led to some really fun experiences for me. Um, I actually got to meet Coach Q partly because of it. Um, so it was, it's, been, it's been a real joy for me, and I've enjoyed it. So what are you, you're up to, what, 35,000 followers? Um, you know, I don't count, but it's uh, 38,551. <laughs> so at what point does... Uh, does Twitter start to approach you for uh, advertising, or how, how do you how do you monetize that? Right. So that's what everyone asked me about. Um, to be absolutely honest with you, I know firsthand that a number of the tweets, if not more than that, have reached Coach Q himself, <laughs> and, and that and that by way of uh, messenger has back to me told me that he laughed. And for me, like that's it. Like that. What like yeah. what more? What more do I, what do I need a sitcom? I, that to me is why I do it, right? That's just to know that people enjoy a kind of a brand of, of, of laugh. And look, it is not, it's an acquired taste, I think. I don't think it's just downright funny to everybody. I, if it was downright funny to everybody, I'd have a million followers. I want to get to some Big Ten stuff just because, you know, I'm sure you hear it from fans of every school in the Big Ten, but whose fans are the most obnoxiously contacting you saying you're not covering their team enough or the right way or what? How about all of them? <laughs> you know, I, I think you you could probably guess uh, the bigger fan bases are the ones that, that, you know, yell the loudest. Come on, go ahead. Just say it. I want to hear you say it. Just say it. <laughs> well, it, it depends on what time of the week it is, to be frank with you. I would say for us, the bigger audiences online are, are Ohio State and Michigan. And then the loudest that we hear from is Iowa. Iowa has a very uh, – wow. I was surprised when I started an amazing – you know, look, a lot of the schools have amazing contingents, huge fan bases. But, you know, Iowa, there's no pro sports in Iowa. 
And uh, it's a, it's a, you know, Iowa football, and to maybe a lesser degree, Iowa basketball is a huge deal in the state of Iowa. They had a, they had an outdoor wrestling event, I believe, last fall, and you know, they had forty or fifty thousand very, very loud wrestling fans in Kinnick Stadium when they had a wrestling match in Kinnick Stadium. So wow. they all have their moments. Well, yeah, wrestling's huge there. Outdoor wrestling at Kinnick Stadium? That's incredible. Yeah, I believe they wrestled. They wrestled Oklahoma State in a duel right before a football game. It was a, it was an afternoon meet before a night Iowa football game. It was. It was quite a spectacle. As uh, editor of that site, do you have any anecdotes about particular fan bases or you know things that have happened? On a daily basis, it's eye-opening to me what, what can absolutely explode on social and what kind of doesn't do as well as one might have thought. There was an Iowa wrestler, I believe his name was Sammy Brooks, and last year he came off the mat after a big match. I want to say it was at the Big Ten Championships. I think he won a championship. And he came off the mat, and the interviewer immediately went to kind of a post-game interview mode. And all this guy would do with an absolute straight face, the very, very straight face, all he would do was reference and give 100% credit to his win to his mullet. <laughs> and, and when we saw this on, on live TV, I mean, we had to, we shook our head. And we, did he really just say what he said? And the interviewer had a follow-up question. He was a little rattled, but he had a follow-up question. And the guy didn't break stride. He said, well, you know, I, the, all these fans were here. They were all cheering because they can appreciate a guy who, who works this hard on his mullet and a guy who works this hard on his mullet wins championships. And that, that very clip exploded on Twitter. It was our biggest video, BTN's biggest video uh, for the year. And probably one of our biggest videos of all time because it was fresh and exciting and fun and silly. And so that, that's the kind of content that we find really resonates with fans because at the end of the day, a lot of people already saw the big touchdown catch or the big touchdown throw. Uh, it's this other stuff that kind of, you know, goes viral. So that's that's kind of that's what we spend a lot of time working on at btn.com. Well, that guy's mullet could give Coach Q's mustache a run for his money. Ho, 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 ho. Take it down. Take <laughs> that, it down. Bro. That's a Twitter feed I want to follow. Somebody's mullet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I have to ask you, I'm looking at btn.com right now, and it's you've got top 100 Big Ten football players entering this year. Can you give us a scoop? Can you tell us who's number one? I would, but... You know, you know the rules. I'd have to, I'd have wait, to wait. kill you. Tell you what, I'll edit it out. How's that? Off the record, <laughs> it's OTR, OTR. You know, the thing that and this is no surprise to you guys because I know you're avid web readers. The thing that never ceases to drive traffic um, are lists. And yes. there was a time in my life when I thought they were really dumb, and they certainly can be dumb. But uh, in the right space and in the right tone, um, you know, they drive debated. At the end of the day, that's what that's what we do. Um, you know, we're part of the conversation around Big Ten sports, and this is our list. If somebody did their own list, it'd be completely different, and you know, that's okay. Yeah, well, USA Today started that long time ago, just doing you know five things that whatever, whatever, and uh, it's the internet is driven by lists now. It seems I have a, I have a running mm-hmm. I have a running list I'm doing of my favorite lists. So mm-hmm. someday I'll roll that out on the podcast. No, I'm looking forward to that. And, and that's funny that you should mention that because I have a, a list that we're going to publish next week. It's a list of my favorite lists of lists, which very meta. <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't know that I can top that. I, actually, I think I can top that. And I'm going to make a list of all the ways that I can top that. <laughs> okay. I look, I look forward to clicking on that link. <laughs> Chris, you want to, should we wrap? You want to do the three questions? Hang on. I'm thumbing through the dial. Schindler's list is on. <laughs> Oh, hey, hey, don't, 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 don't spoil it for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> you DVR, my friend. You DVR. It's not that funny. I can tell you that this movie is kind of disappointing in many ways. In any event, yeah, we're going to close it up with three questions. And um, we always talk about this, too, but what did you want to be growing up? I wanted to be the tight end for the Cleveland Browns. And that was my passion for many years. And I just last year gave up on it. <laughs> wait, wait, so you wanted to be Ozzie Newsome growing up? Is that what you're saying? You yeah, I wanted Newsome. to be Ozzie Newsome. I wanted to be Ozzie. And that's a great callback. That was my that was my goal. I, as I grew a little bit older, uh, I had a, I had an ambition to be a, a humor writer, which sounds, again, like a kind of an old timey job. But, you know, the Dave Berries of the world kind of forged the path of, of writing things that you absolutely had to read. And I, that's what I kind of wanted wanted to be all along. Um, but you know, I, I didn't I didn't chase it. Um, I, I kind of let things happen, and that's how I wound up doing what I'm doing today. If you could do anything in the world, guaranteed that you would not fail, what would you do? Wow! Anything in the world, guaranteed that I would not fail. Um, boy, this is going to sound corny. I, I badly, desperately want to skydive, and I will never, ever skydive. I'm, I'm a husband and the father of two children, and I've, I've, I've been on YouTube. I see what happens. Uh, but I think I would like to skydive. I think the, the, that moment, standing in that door, when you let go of the plane, I'm not sure that can be, that can be topped. What song do you remember most growing up, like, like really defined you? There was a movie. I saw a movie with Sean Connery and Audrey Hepburn in it, and it was called Robin and Marion. There was a song, a piece of music in that, in that movie, with him riding across this amazing plane towards a castle. And I still I have it on my, my phone today. I listen to it now and then when I'm on the train to try to fire myself up a little bit. And it's just one of those pieces of classical music where it not only takes you back to the moment in the movie specifically, but it lets your mind wander a little bit and, and, and takes you to places that you never, ever imagined you'd go. Did you ever say the name of the song in that movie, Robin and Mary? You know, I, don't know that there is, I don't know that there is the name of the song. I just know I think it's the third or fourth track on the album because they have the whole soundtrack. But it's the Robin and Marion soundtrack. If anyone out there uh, deigns to go listen to it, it's a sweeping piece of music. And no one will like the piece of music as much as I like it because it has personal meaning. I'm sure there's a whole father-son thing there as well. Uh, but it, it's a great it's a great movie. It's one of those great 70s movies that you kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah. That's how they made movies back then. Man, you, it's a, such a big impression on you. You must have been stoned when you saw that movie or something. <laughs> well, you know, I think I was, I, was, I was six or seven, so I was just experimenting with drugs. Well, yeah, that's early. That's <laughs> just early. getting started. All right, well, thanks a lot for joining us, man. Really appreciate it. Really good stuff. Very cool. It's a lot of, lot of fun. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Thanks, guys. BTN.com, Coach Q's mustache on Twitter. That's going to do it for us. The email address, Chris and Chris M g at gmail.com we'd love to hear your suggestions for future guests your criticisms your comments your questions send it our way thanks for listening have a good week